What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. We are back with a brand new episode. We're going to be talking about Romero and our Thank You Romero episode where we talk about Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Now, I always hear arguments about it. People are like, why do you always just like the zombie movies? It's not just known for the zombie movies. Did you ever see Martin? You know, it's like, no, I totally did. <laughs> but those are the movies that resonated with me more. And, and I do like the social commentary they have with Martin and everything like that. Those are the movies that everybody fucking like resonates with. Right. George Romero. Like when you ask a person, tell me about your favorite George Romero film. Or what's your favorite zombie film? What's your favorite zombie movie? (laughs) It's going to be Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. Usually, yeah. Typically, unless they come at you with some stupid fucking other answer. Well, Christina's not a fan of Dawn of the Dead. She's not? No, she's not a fan of the Dawn of the Dead. The original or the entire, like even the remake? She doesn't like the original Dawn of the Dead, but she caught it late. She didn't see the original. But I've also, I caught it late too. Well, I did see the original before I saw the remake. But I did also catch a late because I was born in 1990. She likes the remake a lot. I love the remake, but I mean, I it's still a, pick the original over it's it. It's its own separate fucking movie, Alex. Right. It is not the same fucking <laughs> film. It is not a fucking oh, remake. Oh, it's not. I mean, it, it is, is a remake. It's a good remake. I still it's consider it one of the better remakes. It has the same general concept for the most part. But in my opinion, it is basically not a remake of the original because it is so vastly different. Sure. And, you know, if you guys can't already tell, we're already frothing at the mouth frothing. to talk about this. Like a rabid dog. Yeah, we got to be put down. <laughs> I need a rabies shot. We put a gunshot noise. Here, Brittany. Oh, no, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. Is, is it? It is rude. To who? Dogs? Yes. <laughs> It'd be less. Oh it'd, be, it'd be less rude if you were gonna kill me as a person, like kill me as a dog. That's so funny. This is my inner like animal rights person. Like uh, you can kill me as a human, but you can't kill me as a dog. Now I have a problem, guys. I just want you to know I have no issues with animals. I love them equally. He, <laughs> he loves his dog. Trust me. I do. I do. I, I like, it's like my baby. I like animals more than people 95% of the time. Yeah. So, so if fun. you're an animal listening out there now, just know that we love you too. And don't change that dial, puppy. I'll fight for you. <laughs> don't change that dial, kitty. Alex will kill you with a shotgun, but I'll yeah. fight for you. Why don't you come outside out back with me no. to see what... <laughs> look at the flowers. Look at the pretty flowers. Oh, look. Is that a dog treat? Bang! It actually, it was fine. Yeah, like, did it well, wake I mean, you up? Maybe to the listeners it wasn't, but to me, I was like... Yeah, they're work. all bleeding from the ears, Probably. all the dogs that are listening right now. It's like a fucking quiet dog whistle. <laughs> <laughs> like, arr, arr, arr. 
like somewhere in the oh, that sounded like a seal, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Sorry. what have you been over uh, doing the past couple of days? Here? What have I been overdoing? Yeah, you went hiking. <laughs> what exactly have you been overdoing? I don't know what. I, yeah, what have you been overdoing, Brittany? Everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything. You went hiking my whole life. Yeah, no, I did. I did go hiking for like eight fucking miles, eight guys. Eight point two miles in five and a half hours, which I am a fat girl, so that's good for me. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was great. It was really funny because I actually like posed this idea to like do this like I want to do a group hike every month, like right. a big gothy group hike with all our fucking weird ass friends, like <laughs> where all of us go outdoors and don't hang out in a bar or a club or whatever, like for one day. What's this world you talk about? I know, like, and I had so many people that were so interested, and so I was like, all right, cool, like I'm gonna make this, like I'm gonna do this, like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pick a place. And I'm gonna make an actual fucking Facebook event page. Guess who showed up? Who? Jenny, my friend Nathan, that I actually know because he's a big Soundman Kills fan, so he's a huge fan of my husband's band. So, so it was just like open door. Like Mouse anybody. didn't even go. It was <laughs> open door, and there was like 50 people that were interested and like eight people that RSVP'd, and only myself and Jenny were the ones that went on the hike. Really? With Nathan. So there's three of us. Mouse didn't even go. But to be fair, to Mouse's credit, like Mouse had a ingrown like nail or whatever on his thumb. And he thought he took it out, but he didn't. It just got infected and gross and inflamed. And so we actually, she actually had to fucking like surgically Lancet. remove it. Like we did it in their bathroom at their house like last Thursday. Ugh, it just makes me like and anything with nails she freaks does, me out. She did trigger injections or whatever like in his thumb before really? she started doing it. But the lidocaine like didn't really take and with no type of fucking like reprieve at all. Wow. So she slices into his fucking thumb. She got the piece of nail and yanked it out. Poor fucking mouse. And he's a goddamn man, let me tell you, because he sat hurt. there like a fucking champ. So, of course. Anything with nails trips me out. Nails oh, and me eyes. Me too. I don't I like don't nails and is. eyes either. Like, I totally get that. Like, that shit makes me so fucking uncomfortable. It's like that fucking, uh, the ring when the mm-hmm. nail pops through the fucking finger and the mm-hmm. nail pops off. Yeah. Or even little <laughs> scenes and, like, a shit ton of like almost every single horror movie yeah. <laughs> where they take a bitch down a fucking like alley or oh, down dude, you the see basement me crunching up my hands right now she, like talking. grabs at the wall and her nails pop off like yeah. and that happens all the time and i'm like ew makes my t- it's like the chalkboard thing to me yeah like, nails and eyes anything like i always like every time i'm opening up a can of something with the lid yeah. i always think i'm gonna pull it back and slice my eye open <laughs> And all this gelatin's gonna pour out of my eyeball. It is gelatin. <laughs> it was super cool when we did the autopsy and fucking Lindsay like took the shit out oh, of the eye. She okay. took this huge fucking needle and she's just like, like right into the out fucking of eyeball. Everything you told me, nothing bothered me until that. Uh huh. It was glorious. <laughs> and it sucks it dry. And then all of a sudden, his fucking like eye and eyelid are like sunken in. Oh, and they were like before. It was so. It's cool. like he's winking. No, they were just I'm like sorry. nothing there. It was neat. Anyway. Uh. So that so, was fun. You had a good trip. Cool. It was a good time. I got by the time I got home and got to bed, I only got maybe three hours of sleep before I had to get up to go fucking hiking the next morning for eight miles. For eight miles, which I was like, no. Well, you were in hell, like in. The it heat. ended up being fucking over ninety degrees with like twenty percent humidity. All right. Well, I do want to bring up something over the past couple of days that I did. I watched the new Kuso movie that was like this huge thing in the festival. Everybody kept walking out of the theaters from seeing this movie because they were just either appalled or thought it was stupid or whatever it is. Have you have you ever heard of the guy named Steve by Flying Lotus? He's done some like really weird, obscure shit. And he does like these animated sort of 3D effect movies that are just like really offensive, like lots of dicks and, and weird shit. 
said. It's right on my fucking alley. Right. And I was totally cool with it. I was like, whatever. I'd like to see what he has to say, right? As a director and a writer, apparently. I watched Kuso, and I watched it on Shudder, by the way, guys. If you're a subscriber to that, it's out exclusively on Shudder right now. Shudder. And I hate to say this. Like, I really tried to seek deeper and see what was profound about this movie, but there really wasn't anything. It was just like, let's be offensive. There was some times I laughed. But did you go balls deep? Yeah. I mean, I well, I mean, yeah. I watched a fucking dick um, get blown by a fucking boil. Excellent. I mean, like, that's Sorry. the kind of breadth of But yeah, that, that already sounds like a, a kind of film that, is offensive just to be offensive. Yeah, but it feels lose track like of literally everything else. It's almost like you're um, too ADD to really come up with something. And I understand that like he's a very aesthetic kind of person, visuals and stuff like that. And so he really kind of did the same thing that you would see in his videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did laugh a couple of times. It is very unique. It's not something I would normally see. Is it something that I would look forward to watching again? Absolutely not. It's okay. Like, I'm glad he did it. I'm glad that he was able to make something very unique and different and, like, do these, like, weird stories. But there was, like, poop and, like, penis jokes or whatever you want to call it in the whole thing. And I there was just no real message other than, fuck it. Like, that's the message I got. Like, fuck it. So it's kind of like if 2008 and later Adam Sandler decided to make a horror film. I don't know, it's man. Kind of what you're it is, telling me. There's, it's hard to compare it Which to I anything else. I fucking love Adam Sandler, okay. so I don't care what anybody says. Here's an example. Like, still. you liked the movie, what was the one that where you met those uh, bullshit artists? Oh my God. The Greasy Strangler. Yeah, The Greasy Strangler. Okay, that had a story. Yes, it fucking did. And that movie is goddamn fucking hilarious. But, like, but here's sorry. the thing. The difference between these two, both of these are offensive. The Kuso movie is very much like four movies and one, three or four. I think I can't remember, but they all kind of tie into each other, but there's no like ending. It just is like, oh, it's over. If you're into some really weird shit where you're just like, fuck it, like, I want to see some crazy fucking dicks going in boils and shit like that. Like, I mean, I'd watch it. Yeah. One of my friends, Joseph uh, Yurka, was like, hit me up and he was like, dude, I blame you. And I was like, you blame me for what? Like, I had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, for Kuso, man, I just watched that shit. He's like, so I watched a dick going inside getting blown by a fucking boil. So there's that. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, yeah. I I was like, you never seen anything like that, huh? And he's like, yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, I'd watch, I mean, I fucking love trauma films. So like, and I mean, trauma is pretty notorious for like, Right. Just being over the top. Sure. Fucking ridiculous. But even they have a story. But they have a story. Yeah. Like, I don't want to trash it, but I don't want to, like, no, I wanna appreciate watch it, it. Like, you it's, got, it's not even the a... offensiveness that bothered me. Like, Christina did have to turn away a few times. She oh, was like, shit. She was like, oh, my God. Like, okay, what so the fuck? You had me at, like, boil sucking dick thing. Like, I'm going to check it out. I, like, I, just, just check it I'm out. Interested. But I'm just telling you, there's there's not a lot to it other than there's the no fact is, it's just kind of just throwing, like, weird moments. Like, there's a guy, that, a kid that goes out in the middle of the forest and just shits on the ground and then sticks it in this butthole that's on the fucking, in it as a plant. 
and then he rub like this little tongue comes out and he rubs his shit on the tongue and every day he comes back and every day he rubs oh my it God, I can totally see mouse loving this movie his father like he gets to see his father grow out of this no. butthole <laughs> so stupid. and it's like he's like rekindling the love with his father if there's a deeper meaning to that that I'm not realizing that he's rubbing shit on a butthole's tongue I don't see how there could be any meaning behind that other I, than I, like this the guy just wanted to see that happen so he made it happen. right like, that's what, what it seems like what kind of deep philosophical fucking moment could you be creating from that like, i don't I, think there is one there is not and if there is then th- i want to know and i want you to psychically fucking explain it to me like, well it's like we were talking in do you love horror on the facebook group we were talking about how lynch does a lot of weird things and a lot of people don't understand why he does them and i tried to explain it to a few people and a lot of people don't like uh, his stuff and it's fine i totally get it i don't, I don't get offended well, yeah, by it teach their own it's fine right but, but i think like it's like even when he does weird shit he knows how to pull it back and like have a point right like you know what i mean like it may be like this specific point to him but at least there's a story that most everybody else can follow along right it's not so self-valued that well, you can't same with like greasy strangler like Fuck, man. Like, first of all, I don't even think they try... They don't try and market that as a horror film. Mm, But it is appreciated by the horror community. It is loved and appreciated by the horror community. Right. Like, the story may be fucking stupid, but it is funny. I don't know how to explain it. There is some funny moments in this, but I just... I still can't pull from it. I want to watch it. Like, if you guys want to see something that's just weird for the sake of weird... And, and hey, you know what? Point out my fucking mistakes here and tell me that there's some deeper meaning. I'm all ears. I want to come back to this in the future. Like, I want to watch this fucking stupid monstrosity that this is that you're explaining to me. Do you have Shudder? I do. You do? Okay. And I want to come, I want to watch this shit and I'm going to come back and like report back to you and just give you my full on fucking opinion. Well, guys, I think we've uh, done the intro up quite a bit. Too so much. I think it might be time for us to jump into. Our segment for the day, for this week, for the rest of the week, this Thursday, and that is going to be our flesh and potatoes of Thank you, Romero. Thank you, Romero. We'll do that right now. All right, guys, we are back to do our flesh and potatoes segment for Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and our whole episode here calling Thank You, Romero. You know, after doing a lot of research about George A. Romero and all the different films that he's done, and not just the zombie films, guys, we understand, but these are the two that we picked for this episode. But after doing a lot of research about him and finding out about his directing style and how he affected everyone around him, it was very apparent that he was a very humble director who was very open to many different ideas. And... I don't know. There's just a lot to be said about him that I hope I can do just a little bit of justice for. And before this, I really actually didn't even know too, too much about him. But he was a very humble director and he wasn't like, oh, this is I am this amazing thing. No, he was just like, I just made shit happen and it, and it worked out, I guess. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and he's one of my favorite um, like horror celebrities or icons or whatever that I've met to this day. Because yeah. he's just a beautiful soul. He's like, very nice. He is so sweet, and he loves his fans. He appreciates his fans, and it's not a fucking farce. He genuinely appreciates and loves the fact that 
that you feel the way you do about his films. Right. One of the nicest people I have ever met. Yes, I'd love to have a picture with him, but I would rather just sit here for 10 minutes and pick his fucking beautiful brain. About, did you guys have anything to like, talk about? Or? We did, we and we and we chatted for a little while, and I mean, it, it took a while for me to break the ice as far as like, st- st- you know, not being this fucking nervous little bitch that was like, oh, I'm hey. such a huge fan. I love your movies. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, I didn't want like I was trying to break that like generic ass fucking response that literally right. every single other bitch at this fucking convention is going to say to him. Right. It was really cool. I had this really down to earth conversation with him and. His opinions on how zombies are now versus the fast how zombies, basically. zombies were then. Yeah. Basically how he engineered and pioneered a zombie to be versus how they've taken it to this new extreme. Right. And he's so very vocal about the fact that he thinks like new age zombies are fucking bullshit. And he hates it. <laughs> and I love that because I completely agree. If I had to choose between what type of zombie that I wanted to live around, I would totally pick a fucking George Romero zombie. Right. And if you do the science about it, I mean, think about this. This is a dead but thing. Legit- if you, Rigor yeah. mortis is setting in. Like, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, maybe in the beginning it could be fast and then it slows down as it gets older because the rigor mortis and everything like that. If you've cut up a dead fucking body like I have. Yeah. You know how seriously difficult it is. You have to physically break a fucking bone in order to just straighten out an arm or straighten out a leg. Yeah. Or do whatever you have to do because rigor is so serious. And I feel like I kind of agree with you that at first onset, a zombie could be very quick and move very fast because they're still in a way kind of like firing signals. Synapse. From the brain to the body. Right. But that would wear off very quickly. Well, that's the thing I also think about when it comes to zombies. And I got a few theories as to what I think Romero's zombies were to him more than what I think other people think. Well, I don't want to get into it too much. If you really think about the science behind it, like the fact that a zombie could be up and walking around, it wouldn't last very long at all. Like it wouldn't, it would be over in like a week. Like someone might get bit and then it would be over, like their death cycle would be over in like a week because they would just like lock up or their brain would disconnect from their fucking body. Like everything would rot out. So there's, there's the only thing that could really keep a fucking zombie moving about is something more than just a physical or biological thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got like movies like 28 Days Later who, you know, obviously borrowed from it in a way, but then took it in a new direction because they weren't necessarily dead. No. Well, the the whole concept behind 28 Days Later is fantastic and it's a completely different direction. Sure. Well, they're not zombies, technically. They're just biological, like... Isn't it... They act like zombies. Yeah. Right, and it's it's a fucking incredible idea, and like what rage? It's a rage, rage virus. virus, but it's yeah. based off of a rabies virus, which is essentially the same fucking thing. But anyway, great fucking idea, great fucking concept, super well fucking executed. But fucking goddamn it, if one of those fucking crazy ass things came after my ass, like I would just kill myself. Right? Yeah, that would be it. There's no fucking way in hell that any human, even if you're a trained like marathon runner. <laughs> Could outrun them. You yeah. cannot physically like out like outlast the endurance of these fucking zombies. No. There's no way in hell someone's gonna catch up to you at some point because you can't fucking run forever. Right. But they can because they're dead and they don't feel it. Well, I don't. Well, the 28 days later, they were never dead. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm like, just I'm just saying they don't feel. I don't consider them zombies, even though they are very. They don't feel the fatigue and shit like we would. Right. 
And there's no way if some fucking thing like that, some psycho fucking thing like that came running after my ass and I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to die here. It's fine. I'm going to die. Like, I'm okay. It's all screaming. I'm going to fucking die here. Like I, if I can't lock myself somewhere where they cannot get to me, I'm going to shoot myself in the fucking head. Well, let's bring it back to fucking George. Anyway, we went way off. I love his zombies more than anything else. I like the slow zombies too, a little bit more because it's more of like a rotting decay that is just kind of sitting around. He was pretty much the face the pioneer of the fucking zombie genre yeah he set the tone for everything and and did it forward and now he He did do other good films yes he did and i did like those other movies like i did like martin i liked season of the witch i remember watching that as a kid it was almost like a tv movie Mm -hmm. when i was a kid i remember having that on beta yeah but because it had the witch under the tree nine times out of ten if you go to a person and you say what is your favorite film by yeah it'll be night or dawn they're going to say night of the living dead or Dawn of the Dead. I've had some people say that Day of the Dead, and I actually watched all the way up to uh, 20 minutes into the Diary of the Dead, uh, but I couldn't make it. <laughs> I couldn't make it, dude. It was that bad. Uh, and I and God bless you, you know, whatever. I'm sorry, George, but that one, Mm-mm. I just can't get into it. And that was a miss. It was a really big miss. It was a big miss. I don't know what it, what the what the components were, but part of Something I really liked about George Romero is that he was always the type of person that he was so grateful for the things that he, the, the opportunities that he got, that he wanted everyone else to have the same opportunity as him. Right. And it was like with every person that he met, whether they were talented or not, he was always interested in their opinion, their input, and he wanted them to shine. He let most of the actors do their own bits of acting and add little tidbits in he never told he had a general idea of what he told the zombies to do in all of his movies but he told them do your own thing be your zombie yeah exactly and and because of it there was some really great things that you would have never seen what came from that was natural talent like a natural feel and a natural feeling to it were real like they felt that and that's the big difference between those films and like that I don't know. Like we can't go too far into that. No, don't the comparisons. It, yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, man. Like, there's a big fucking difference. I just, I think it's just really interesting that he wanted other people to succeed so much that he was he did, willing to it? let them. But that was his do their thing. You know, he's like, why should I? He. That's another thing about George Romero that I learned is that he was like the kind of person that was like he didn't like conflict. No. He didn't like conflict at all, and so he was just like, just get it done. That was one of the things with him that I loved so much. In the 10 minutes that I got to fucking sit there and talk to him and pick his brain, he was more interested in knowing about me and asking me questions about what I was doing or why I decided that I wanted to get into makeup or why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Because he, he didn't say he had all the answers. He was no. just like, this is the direction I want to go. Hey, what do you got ideas? You oh, think? we could create this on the spot. We'll right. change this around. What are your thoughts? What yeah. are your opinions? What do you think we could do that's different? They were saying and he was he saying just, that he would talk to like the the trash people taking out the trash and he shit. He talks to everyone. Yeah, like for like an hour and a half, you'd find him just talking to he them. He didn't discount a single fucking person. Everybody had just as equally of an important role as anyone else. And this you know? is coming from a guy who was a failed college student, pretty much. 
Like he just Carnegie Mellon, right? He just like, gave up on it. He was like a, you know, he did a lot of he did a lot of different things in his early years, but he fell into uh, making commercials and shit. First of all, he grew up in the Bronx mm. before he moved to Pittsburgh, obviously, where everybody thinks he's from. Um, he actually did uh, study painting and design. After he quit that job, he started wor- or not quit that job, quit the schooling or whatever. He later delivered newsreels by bike. So for like all the like companies that were doing all these um, newsreels that they would take back and forth. And through that process, he started the Latent Image, which was a, a commercial company, which I was talking about. And that Latent Image is where he started like making actual money doing commercials for all these different companies. But he did everything. Like he was the kind of guy that would shoot, write, edit everything. Like he knew the whole process. And he actually really loved editing. So that became one of his most passionate things. So the Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, those are movies that he edited himself, like, a lot of the times, you know, just so he could, like, be a part of it, because it was, like, his zen moment. Right. So, I get that. A lot of people always ask, you know, hey, where did you get inspired from, like, Psycho? Was it Psycho? Like, and he was like, no, you know, actually, it was a movie that really, truly inspired me to be a filmmaker was a movie called The Tales of Hoffman, which was, like, kind of like a weird kind of dance musical sort of thing interesting i watched a little bit of it i totally feel like alfred hitchcock films would be more realistic i would think so too right being influential to him well and a lot of people say that because of the scene and then and then in the night of the living dead where she the the girl stabs her mom right a lot of people say that but the truth is is that he was actually inspired (laughs) by something that's not even a horror movie called the tales of hoffman and he was also inspired by, uh, just like Carpenter was, a big fan of the original The Thing from Another Planet. Oh, yeah. Which is so funny. It's so good. It's like, <laughs> like I, I always call that movie like the door slamming movie, because that's what they do. <laughs> the whole fucking movie is slam, slam doors. doors. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, can we stop slamming <laughs> doors already? Like, guys. That's accurate as fuck. <laughs> His first feature film... Him and about 10 other guys saved up about $600 each to make a movie. Mm -hmm. They're like, let's make a feature film. And then Night of the Living Dead started. And it got made over a long period of time. It wasn't like right away. Like they had to keep coming back to this movie to try to make it because they didn't have all the funds. Right. And when they were doing it, it came out in 1968 and all the shit that they had to do to get it out like was ridiculous. But there was a lot of people giving him buzz about it, like a lot of radio stations and people just really connected to this movie. And it became, it wasn't initially a big success, but it became a big success. But I feel like most horror movies that are prior to like 1990, maybe even 1980. Mm-hmm. Are movies that really had to fucking fight to have what they have. Right. You know? Well, and you never know what they're going to be. Like, sometimes right, exactly. they find a cult following and all of a sudden it becomes this, like, yeah, wonderful and the, thing. And most films that came out in the fucking 70s or late 60s, even early 60s, but, like, 70s and early 80s, they didn't get the appreciation or the following until, like, mid to late 90s and early 2000s and they became these cult classic films and that's like these actors that starred in these films 20 fucking years prior had no fucking idea that they would ever become what they did oh no yeah and that's one of just the like that i love so much yeah about. and the actors in this movie were just like and right and they meeting them at this like last mad monster was the coolest fucking experience right. ever 
Because none of these people, and they're all in their, like, what, 60s, early 70s? Judith O'Day, is that her name? Yes. They're, they're just, so thankful for that. Oh, yeah. That opportunity. Absolutely. And, and They um, didn't get paid anything, really. Any, anybody that's in the original, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the same fucking exact way. Right. What do you think about this movie? Don, like, what um, did you think of Night of the Night Living, of Dead? Living Dead? Yeah, I like, love it. as far as it did, like, do you, is it, uh, is that I, one of the first ones you saw, or did you see Dawn of the Dead first? One of the first, quote-unquote, zombie films that I ever saw was Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, me too. I think but it was I, on TV or something. Exactly, yeah. and I mean, I, I mean, even though it was, I was born in 1990, mm-hmm. there was a whole fucking lot of other zombie films that came out <laughs> between that time frame, and then by the time I was old enough to really watch and remember films, yeah. There was a lot of fucking horror films, and I believe the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out in 2004. 2004 or 2008? 2004, I was 14. I still saw Night of the Living Dead first. Absolutely incredible. And to be honest, I wasn't even aware that they did a fucking color version until recently. I prefer the black I and white. I prefer it in black and white. Yeah, I, I do, do really like the color version of the film because you can see a little bit more detail. Right. Yeah, I still like the I still like the black and white. But I love the black and white. It yeah. has a better, like, more genuine feel to That's it. That's what I saw when I was a kid. And at the time when they were recording, or when they actually filmed this movie in black and white, black and white was becoming old and color was, color coming, was coming in. in. It was like four, you know, like 1080p coming into town. But it, what I love is that you don't feel that when you watch it. It feels almost like they just pioneered this black and white filming. Like, it feels like it's new. I do remember seeing this movie and always being kind of scared of it when I was a kid, like really young, because it was on like regular TV and well, even shit. even on like, regular TV, it was absolutely. scary. Absolutely, and I mean like in the people scene, are eating each other. What the fuck? Well, just the scene alone with the girl who fucking stab isn't her mom that she stabs to death with right. the fucking shovel, like the little like pick shovel for the garden. Right. Amazing. To this day, that scene fucking, that's that one of the hardest shit. ones for me. That was edgy. That was different. Like, that was something that was a whole lot different. And that's one of the things for me where I, I feel like it was kind of inspired by Alfred Hitchcock. Well, everybody says that. It, he said it really was not. No, and, and I believe that coming yeah. from him. But, I mean, and I fucking love Alfred Hitchcock films. Like He was like, I'm sure so I much. watched it, but it was never an inspiration necessarily. Yeah, but, I mean, when you, when you see that, and his response to that, then you can kind of understand. You can see the differences, right? And it it's very Hitchcock esque, but at the same time, it's well, it's especially not. that it's in black and white into the first in the first place. That's a big part. Alfred Hitchcock films are always like what they get compared to. Well, one every time. Well, most directors that I've talked to or known, uh, they actually don't have any conscious effort that they're trying to to paint it as you know what i mean they're not because first of all it comes across as like a plagiarism and they're not really trying to do that sure there's inspiration but you never know what the you're pulling from from that inspiration right can i say that night of the living dead is probably one of my favorite movies i can't say that 100 percent, but it definitely did affect me it definitely started the ball rolling with zombies. I became an instant... I mean, if you think about all the different creature movies, like in genres, subgenres of creatures, zombies are probably the biggest creature of all of them. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm on a different end than you because right. I can, without a doubt, say that Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorite films. Zombie I love films. it, but I'm not. it's not my favorite film. No, it, zombie films. Like, just in the zombie oh. genre. Fantastic. They did a lot of shit that was completely fucking different from any other movie. And it hasn't been duplicated 
to this day. The movie didn't really reach that acclaim, though, because it was so different. It was probably a little too far ahead of its time. They were pushing this movie in exploitation theaters, like, ahead of time, like, they, because you, they didn't know how to deal with it. When you consider the time frame that it came out, and especially, like, the main actor in the film, like, it kind of borders a little bit more towards that Well, you know, genre. they said, surprisingly, that it didn't even matter. Everybody was actually surprisingly okay even though this was a racial time that people Extremely were surprisingly surprisingly okay with the fact about the the male lead actor Dwayne Jones being a black man because well, he acted like just a character and they never really had touched on it it was never like oh he's that. a black man let's see what happens here it was no. just like no this is happening he's in control he just slapped a white woman and i love that they didn't do that right like i'm so, that's one of the things that i love and appreciate the most about george romero is he didn't look at actors for the color of their fucking skin of he course didn't yeah. fucking care like he he wrote his characters out without a fucking plan right. of what they would look like or how they would be and then he just met or viewed videos or or whatever he did when he did the, was doing the casting or assisting with the casting of these fucking films he liked them all as individuals yeah and he would never wrote a single part or a single character with a vision of who they were supposed to be or who they were supposed to be right play. it was just a character he didn't have a it didn't it have didn't, a color it skin didn't have or a color it didn't have a gender well like, a lot of times they did have genders i well, think well you go by names but essentially like yeah. If he would have met a man that played a female type character better than a female character, it would have right. ended up being written as a male role. A lot of people put a lot of like pressure on that situation and and it's not like he was like I'm making a point here. This is he what I'm trying to no, say. He, he was just like that. no, I'm just making a film and that guy fit the position. Exactly. And that's all it was. It's it was never about, really like a political social a, issue. It's not a black or white thing. No, it was just like and this that, guy's a really good actor. I'm going to put him in here. Absolutely. Like, like, I think it was cool that he just wanted to make a movie and like he didn't care like yeah. it didn't matter no he absolutely did and one of the coolest things about that was Dwayne Jones essentially created his own dialogue as the character of Ben okay in the film he had his own kind of creative input and creative feel and took basically how the character was originally written out he didn't essentially like or didn't agree with and mm -hmm. kind of pitched his own ideas and they ran with his ideas right for the character and they ended up working out a whole lot better because if you read any type of scene description of how his character was supposed to be in the films mm -hmm. what he did as an actor completely elevated that character and took it to a completely different direction he is to me besides besides judith o'day she is fan fucking tastic in that film and she goes from one extreme to a fucking another right she goes from this like totally different cool kind of likable understandable character and then she just loses her fucking shit well and and but to, she, and she she's great well to back to Dwayne though as far as Dwayne goes, I mean, part of the thing that they were very specific on is like he may have changed his acting and he may have changed his words and stuff like that, but it was never changed to fit his demographic. Not at all. It was done as nothing but more than a character to make the character be the character it was supposed to be. And Absolutely. they never changed it to be, oh, this is a black dialogue no, no, no. or anything no, no, no. like that. No, I'm not yeah, saying no, you said that, totally but I'm, right. I'm just saying that like that was. Part of part of the thing that was like a big deal in this movie is when Judy and him first meet, like uh, Barbara. 
and him and Ben first meet, they don't react to racism. Not at all. Which was completely different for its time. It was actually it was it really actually precedes any black exploitation films that have ever been made until once that happened, then it started to kind of go from there. Absolutely. Which if you're a big fan of Sid Haig like I am, he really got his fucking start and became who he was because of his roles in black exploitation films. The photo that I had for him to sign was from his role in Foxy Brown. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> everybody wants me to sign a fucking picture of me as Captain Spaulding, you know? One of the biggest things that was so interesting about George Romero's films, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, was the main actor in both films was a black man. Yeah. And in horror, that's it was, essentially unheard of because right. most of the time when they have a black character, they're a side character and they're killed first. Right. Or almost first. Sure. They're killed second or third after the main character, after one of the, another main characters, but they are never a main leading role. And they are always killed almost instantly in the beginning. Yeah, he was never afraid they to put that out there. They never go from beginning to end. Yeah, he was like, I have a story. Let's do it. You did it right. You felt what I was trying to portray with this character. So he cast them based on that. And I fucking loved it because he was one of the only fucking directors, especially in that time frame, to cast black male actors as lead roles in his films. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty cool, too. He thought of everybody as equal. It didn't matter. Which is what made him so fucking beautiful of a person yeah. as he was. No, I totally agree with you, and I think it was really cool that they, ha- they had uh, all the different actors in the movies that he did. He never was shied away from it, and a lot of, a lot of filmmakers did. So Yeah, they fucking did. One of the things that they did, <laughs> a little interesting tidbits here that I wrote down, uh, is that they used real entrails, livers, etc. And the people who were really eating them, they were actually putting them in their mouths because they were so excited about being in this movie. And this yeah. is before it was really known. Like, they had a radio announcer that who was, like, talking about the movie getting made in Pittsburgh. And everybody was really proud that it was, like, this movie being made in Pittsburgh. And everybody got behind it. And everybody that did the fucking zombies were just... Just fucking not paid. Because actors weren't snobby, entitled little bitches. Like they are today. Back in the day, like they are now. Yeah. He said, too, he's like, every movie I've ever done with zombies and everything is like, they just really want to get into the zombie role. And I don't want to get into too much because they they talk about a little bit more in Dawn of the Dead. Did you know that he was 27 years old when he made this film? Shut up, he was my age. Yeah, so it's, when he made it's not like he's like then? a super young buck, no. you know? Like, he, How old was he when he passed? 77. 77 years old? Yeah, so like, 50 years. I love the fact that he was 27 years old, which is my right beautiful age right now. I am 27 years young. <laughs> That's how old he was when he made that film. Yeah, I know. That just goes to show That's you that he, it's and that never makes too me late. Be like, I'm a fucking asshole. I'm 27. What have I done? <laughs> I haven't made a fucking like mind blowing fucking film. What the fuck? <laughs> a lot of the zombies in this movie, by the way, the ones that were eating the entrails and like walking around naked and shit, were literally the people that were from the commercials that they made and friends of the people who paid <laughs> them to make commercials for them. When I rewatched it with Mouse, he's like, I don't remember butts. Yeah. 
I don't remember so many butts in this film. The there's naked so many, lady. There's a, there's a lady butt. There's a lady butt in multiple scenes. I don't remember a lady butt in this film. Like, there's been a lady butt in this film forever. <laughs> yeah, it The really original has. cut of this film has a lady butt in it. I don't remember it either. Like, I don't I remember don't, that. I, yeah. I'll, you know what? And I agree with him because I don't either. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I had seen that film a hundred more times than Mouse ever had. <laughs> and I didn't remember the fucking lady butt. After they were almost done, the sound mix for the entire movie was at stake. They actually did not know if they were going to be able to finish the film because they didn't have enough money to pay the sound guy. So Russ the challenged the sound mixer to a game of chess over it. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, like he literally what challenged him. Where did you him find this shit? I didn't find because this shit I, at all. I did I'm a so lot of, sad. I did yeah. a lot of research too, but I didn't find this. Yeah, he like, actually... amazing. But he actually won, and Romero said word for word, this is the kind of shit we were going through, man. <laughs> so, and, and, and like, it's just kind of beautiful that, that that happened. And not only that, in January in 1968, the film was completed after Vietnam orchestrated attacks on a hundred cities in the South, including Saigon, where the U.S. Embassy was. There were riots in Detroit. Martin Luther King was assassinated, all while they're trying to release this fucking film, right? At the same time, like I was saying before, color films were coming out and they were already big. Black and white films, not so much. Not many people went to see those anymore. This was like the new thing that you did. So they finally were able to release in October of 1968. And they actually had really, really, really big troubles trying to get it out there to the public. And when it did get wide releasing, it sort of blew up at the matinee. So it was like kind of popular. I forget what movie it was that they played it at. Um, There was a a movie was called Slaves. That's what it was. It was an exploitation film that they played at this matinee. And it was at nighttime or something, and nobody really want to watch it. But guess who did go see it? George, I think that's Abacanolo, critic for Andy Warhol's Ultra Hip Inter- Interview magazine. He gave it a glowing response. He said, it should open in an art house and run for at least a month because it is a work of art. Then French critics, when they got it out into Europe, some of the biggest magazines out there were giving it so much props. Meanwhile, Roger Ebert was, like, giving it, like, oh, I didn't think it was good at all. Like, this is a shit film, you know? Like, why would you want to watch something like this? So they had all these fucking issues, and it finally, one day, it just, like, fucking blew the fuck up. And then they had copyright problems. When the movie, they shopped the movie around, they called it Night of the Flesh Eaters. <laughs> it's just a... And they forgot to put the C for copyright, the little circle with the C for the copyright. And when they put the new name, Night of the Living Dead, they didn't have the copyright symbol, so it became public domain, which is why you always see it in all of the horror movies that you ever watch on a TV. That's so perfect. I was totally going to mention that. It's fucked, man. It's like, (laughs) do you know how many millions and millions of dollars that that movie probably would have made? It's in the public domain because of that fucking error. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's so interesting that I I love the fact that you brought that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just always thought I was really curious. Yeah, like, I'm like, why is it public domain? And I actually have a point that I kind of want to bring up, like, circling back to the whole leading black actor Oh, okay. Bit that we touched on was that there actually was a alternate ending for the film mm-hmm. originally, where Ben would have been saved, mm-hmm. but Joan, like, the actor that played Ben, actually fought right. against that alternate ending. He said that wouldn't be how it would end. His reasoning behind it was just so like poetically beautiful to me, like right. And it, it's it's also very sad. Yeah. But his 
exact filming was, and to explain it a little bit for people who aren't as well versed in this film and in the original idea to end this movie, but one of the most famous elements in this film was that Ben, which survived the the night with, you know, these flesh eaters or whatever and dealing with the crazy people that he was stuck in the house with. Like, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the film, turn this off right now and don't fucking listen to what I'm about to say. Uh, they've pretty much but this got is also it. from the 60s, so you should fucking know. But anyways, he's killed at the end. And, right. And, and you feel like this gonna, it's going to be this beautiful fucking moment where they, like, rescue his ass, but they shoot him through a fucking window because they think he's a zombie, and they fucking kill him, and they high-five the guy at the end that kills the guy. Yeah, throw it on the that fire! That kills him. And it's fucking ridiculous. And then the whole ending credits is, the like, them, like, showing basically them taking him out of the house and burning him and this whole, like, cathartic thing about he's a zombie and they've destroyed him or whatever. Anyway... But that's not the original ending that was filmed. The actor that played Ben actually took it upon himself to convince George that the black community would rather see him dead than saved. Because after all of that that had gone on in a corny and symbolic, confusing kind of way, the heroes never die in American films. And his response was the jolt of that and the double jolt of the hero being black seemed like a double-barreled whammy to the film community and the fans that would come from this film. And you know what? He was so fucking right. He was so fucking right in that aspect because that made the ending to that film so much fucking more powerful than what George had originally written for him. Bleak. It's and it bleak, made it bleak and, and, and dark, and, and in a sense, kind of fucking racist because well, it's a bunch of fucking white guys. That's the time of the, the times, and that was the times. And you know what? That actor was fucking correct. Yeah. Every no, yeah. idea that he had behind that made it so much more realistic. Yeah. And it felt more real for the times when this movie was filmed and created that that's what would have happened. He was the one that was behind it. Which says the black community will celebrate me dying. More than me living. The American heroes don't fucking die. <laughs> well, and that's one thing and about I, his films. I loved yeah. it. One yeah. thing I really like about George Romero is that he has like a, a really crazy sense of irony. And let me flesh this out for you a little bit because there's a couple of moments in the movie that I felt were really ironic. First of all, Judy dies by her brother in the end. Mm-hmm. The father and the mother dies by their daughter. Dwayne goes into the basement that he fought not to go down in to begin with because he calls it a death hole, ends up surviving by doing so and hiding in the basement, and then dies because they thought he was a zombie in the end. Yep. Even the beginning coming to get you, Barbara, was sort of... His understanding of what was ironic and what wasn't, like he just, he portrays it so well. Yeah, I just. In that film, and how, and you really have to pay attention to understand how he ties everything together with this tiny little perfect fucking bow. Yeah. Well, and he would never take full credit for it. No, he would never. He would never never take credit for it. Absolutely fucking He would be like, it's everybody's idea. We all work together. This movie couldn't have been made just by me, it was made by everyone. Ever read any interview with George Romero after that film has come out? Mm -hmm. Never once. Does he go back and say, this was my idea? He always says, this was my idea. However, this actor or actress that played this character decided that they wanted to do this. They pitched this idea. And I went, that's way better than what I thought. Right. And they went with it. Just really wanted to do There's whatever. more about releasing the film that he had a kind of general idea for. 
Mm -hmm. but let his actors essentially pave the rest of the way Yeah, for what he was trying to portray. And I love that about him. I definitely think that this movie had a way bigger impact on social life in America for its time and everything that was going on. It was like the perfect storm. I mean, like we could go over our favorite scenes or everything, but I honestly think the best scenes in the movie are the very beginning. We're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's iconic. That first beginning is just amazing iconic and that's been sampled so many fucking times right so many different films and so many different music fucking like samples over the years it's fantastic and i also think that the very end is probably the most impact as well there's something magical about this movie that you just could never capture in a bottle like they did it was the perfect storm of all these things going on the climate for everything dan makes you fucking feel yeah in a way that you didn't think you could and this whole fucking vietnam thing was going on and like how like crazy that was for people back then dark fucking times it really was was dark fucking times when this movie was being filmed and when this movie was released you know what i'm i'm just gonna come out and say it is my favorite zombie genre film ever released i think it was the most impact it was the most impactful but subtly no intention whatsoever to make this film feel political or socially, like, whatever. And they just... It's beautiful. It's its an amazing fucking movie. Yeah. And I love it. It's completely different than... almost. And you know what? That's one of the things that horror films really lack nowadays is they lack a fucking story and they lack a reason. Well, it's hard to be original them. anymore. It's extremely hard to be original. Where can I go that is completely fucking different? Yeah. And they did it. And it is fantastic. Well, fucking tastic if you haven't seen this fucking film yet hopefully first of all you're crazy this is (laughs) an old fucking movie if you are a horror fan and you have not seen night of the living dead then you shouldn't be a horror fan probably jesus fucking christ (laughs) like you you probably you you owe it to yourself to watch it you need to watch it yeah you need to watch it and especially this day and fucking age you're gonna go back and you're gonna watch that film and you're gonna end up coming out of it going fuck and one of the things I think is really interesting is that anybody can kind of relate to this because mm-hmm. it doesn't have all these different uh, lines drawn in the sand. It, it's like we all die. First of all, we all deal with mortality. Absolutely. Dying is a scary thing that we all think about. We're all edging closer to the our end every single second. And to have the dead, the thing that we're scared of the most of dying being up and walking around us and, and to have it as such a bleak ending that the hero fucking dies is like mm-hmm. there is no hope no and the hero never died especially back in those days the hero never fucking dies and even now the hero most of the time never fucking dies like so i don't know it just sets the fucking tone i'd say that the best parts in the movie aside from it being a great movie in general is the front and the end mm-hmm. i think those are the most important pieces it takes all the middle to make those the beginning for how it starts yeah. and the end of how they wrap it up it's is- perfect fantastic now it wasn't till 10 years later that george romero decided to do a second film for this movie now he had done and he had been approached by many people to do another night movie and he also got approached to do a lot of any other horror movies and he fought against it for quite a while but he did do a lot of other movies in that time some that you know we would like to talk about more in the you know maybe in the future but We're going to be talking about Dawn of the Dead, which came out in 1978. Mm -hmm. It was 10 years later that this movie hit the streets, and 
he directed it, obviously. He had a lot of the same people back on board who worked with him before. Tom Savini was there. Uh, the producer was there. They had some new uh, casting here, obviously. Ken Forhey. Who's amazing. <laughs> Who's absolutely amazing. This was another perfect storm type of movie for a sequel because it was highly anticipated. And it's like, fuck, we got to do a sequel now? Like, what do we do? And, and obviously, you know, Romero loved the fact that people took the social commentary for the first one and he was like well maybe we can play on that a little bit more you know there was like women's rights in this one there oh was, yeah there was like a oh, lot yeah. of different subjects that you know you would think about a lot of like just regular things that you as a human being going to the mall yeah one of the bi- the biggest and strongest characters in this film is a woman right and you know, and it wasn't originally that way absolutely. either but one of the main points that she made to Romero when she was cast for this film was that she refused to scream during the filming right because she felt that Fran was such a strong female character, and if she screamed, that the strength of her character would be lost. So she told this to George once, when he told her to scream, she explained her viewpoint of how she felt that Fran Francine should be portrayed in this film, and he never asked her again. Right. He said, well, maybe we can work that in. That'd be good. He said, okay. Basically, I understand your view, and he never asked her again to fucking scream in that view. Right, that and she'd n- not really been in anything ever. No. She'd never acted before, so it was pretty Nothing interesting. Big. And I love that. And I mean, again, it just goes to portray like his how fantastic he was as a filmmaker. How open he was how to being open. a director. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And some of the actors that were in this, by the way, David Emge, I don't know how to say his <laughs> E-M-G-E. I'm going to go with that. But he played Flyboy Steven. Ken Forhey played Peter. Scott H. Reiniger played Roger. He was the, the like short military guy. Galen Ross played Francine. She was the reason that the character in the movie was stronger than she was because she was like, I will not play a screaming, whiny little girl in this movie. She's like, I do not want to portray that, and I will not play it. And he was like, okay, cool. So they rewrote some of the stuff for it. Yeah, exactly. Quite a, a lot of people in this movie that really made it what it is. Yes, so what do you think of this movie, The Dawn of the Dead, 1978? I love it. To be honest, I absolutely fucking love this film because it was a cool concept. It was an idea that had yet to have been touched among anybody that was trying to do this whole like zombie genre, zombie feel, sure. you know, since Night of the Living Dead came out. And this was a completely different and cool, fresh idea yeah. to the genre. And it was so well done and it was fun. You know, he's, he incorporated a little bit of camp and a little bit of fun into the filming of this. And sure. he took people that were part of the crew and put them as actors in the film. And I loved that. Yeah. I mean, Tom Savini has one of the most, like, interesting roles. Yeah, you think? He does. Yeah. Like, he's the most interesting fucking biker out of all of that crew. Yeah, and those are all real he's bikers, the main, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, he's, and he's the main one that's the big fucking antagonist right fucking gratifying when his ass gets killed man let me tell you (laughs) it feels so good like (laughs) he's such a fucking dick but he's so true to who he is as a person yeah that you're just like you can't hate him but you still love when his ass gets fucking killed like it just feels so great the end what do you think you liked about this film in particular like not not the scenes or anything like that no i love the story Okay. The the plot behind this is very realistic, and I feel like if I was one of these people, this is what I would have done. 
everything they do, like from start to finish, like how they kind of secure themselves in this area and they take care of themselves. They watch out for each other. Like it's just, it feels very genuine and it feels very realistic, especially in that type of setting. That's the best fucking place to be. The mall? The mall. Yeah. Yeah. You have I was going to say, like, what area point? are you talking about? You have a fucking vantage point up on the roof. Yeah. You have a million fucking places in this giant span to be. You can secure so many separate areas and keep yourself safe in so many different aspects of this location. And you have supplies out the fucking ass. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic. And it just, it works. And it, this was a cool idea that had not been done. And, yeah. But it was an idea that a lot of fucking American people would have had to do. Well, and, and the really, they feel like this was before a Walmart and shit. Was they didn't do they didn't even do malls like that. Mm-mm. Like that was like a very rare thing. So the fact that they were able to get this, I think one of the things that I really love about this film in particular is not just the gore, not just the like, cr- like they amped this shit up a fucking crazy ton, like in the gore and like violence and blood and all that other shit but the fact that they that these people were still clinging to their own reality by harboring themselves and finding sanctuary in the one place and this is makes a huge point about consumerism as us as americans that we find that this is the place that we would go to which is also pointed out in shawn of the dead where they go to the bar because that's what they relate to. That's what they relate to. That's like a home base. Right. So that's where they find their sanctuary. And I just think it's really interesting that as a consumer and as as we are pretty much bred to be by every advertising, all this stuff, even back in the 70s, like how consumerism was, I just love that whole thing. Plus, when I first watched this movie, I actually was scared of it. Like, it scared me. It was very scary. Like, there was a lot of shit going on. I watch it now, and there's some really silly stuff in it, you know. It's a fun movie. But I really took it very seriously the very first time I watched it, and it's it's just stuck with me. Now, I won't say, you know, which of the ones we like the most yet, but I will say that this one really, really impacted me a whole lot. There was just so much to this movie, so many moving parts. There's so many more aspects of this film in particular that feel more realistic right plain and simple like it appeals more to you as a person or as a consumer okay that this is something that you would do or this is the direction you would go if you were physically placed in this setting to me this is more realistic than me going to a graveyard with my brother and then him getting basically eaten by a zombie in front of me and me driving a car and finding a fucking farmhouse somewhere randomly and right. then staying there i would never fucking do that <laughs> first of all my ass would have figured out how to hotwire that fucking car and like drove it or did something or just kept fucking running but i wouldn't go to a farmhouse which is like a mile away right but they were all in the city when this happened. Right. So they probably lived on the outskirts or they could Well, they're all trying to find somewhere that feels like it's going to be less inhabited by these things. undead fucking... Which they don't really say zombies they in don't. it. They don't. They don't do that I until Land of the Dead. They No, they actually... I think they actually touch home on the zombie aspect in Dawn of the Dead. I don't... 
Yeah, I don't briefly. remember. Very I was briefly. thinking about that because I watched all the way up to Diary, and I remember what's his name saying it in Land of the Dead. He's like fucking zombies, man. Peter is the first person in the franchise to refer to the undead as zombies. Okay. And the term is only used by a reporter on the radio once in Night of the Living Dead. Okay. But technically, Peter in Dawn is the first one to essentially refer to them as zombies. Okay. However, it's not as wildly spoken about. Yeah, it's not reiterated over and over and over again. In the franchises of the films. Right. So in an aspect, you're completely fucking correct about that. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of like lightly touched upon. It's very, very lightly touched upon in Night, but it is also very lightly touched upon in Dawn of the Dead. I think it's interesting, though, to think about it that way, though. Oh, absolutely. They didn't really put a big fine point on it to try to, like, market it. Yeah. Zombie, 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 zombie. I love this fucking movie. Like, as much as I love Night of the Living Dead, when I rewatch these films as an adult, I kind of love Dawn a little bit more. Right. A little bit more because I feel like, as much as I love how genuine feeling and I love the acting... Um, in Night of the Living Dead and just the black and white portrayal and just how great that's done. The story in Dawn of the Dead is just so much more realistic to me and feels more genuine. I like, I I don't know, it just, it feels more robust. It feels like a sequel should be. It's fuller. It really... It has the potential to keep going. And so many people were on board for this movie. Mm -hmm. Actually, the mall was actually the pivoting concept for Dawn. George wrote the screenplay, Dario Argento, Argento. yeah. He hit him up to produce a film, and... Didn't he have him come and write it in, like, Yeah, Italy. Italy. Yeah, Yeah, he actually told him and his wife to come to to Rome. Three weeks? About that, yeah. I believe George actually wrote the entire film in three weeks when he came out with Dario, like, in Italy. Yeah. It was insane to me. Like, I'm like, he wrote that whole film in essentially three fucking weeks, like... But I also love that Argento was like such a believer behind. He loved it. What he was trying to do, it was it's cool. He was such a so fan, cool. and it's like they got to work together, and it's like these two masters of horror being able to work together, and so they kind of like you know they kind of made like a deal in the beginning that they would like produce a version for the Europe crowd, and because Argento knew what he was doing in the Absolutely. Europe crowd, so he was like the hot thing, and they Absolutely. were like, you do your thing in America, like you know what you're doing there. So there were scenes that they did cut. They, he uh, Argento actually felt that it was a little too long. The the version that they have the it is long in in, in America. The full like unedited version of that film is fucking long. Yeah, I have the ex- I have the the ultimate edition, and it has the European version, the original, and the extended cut. I always watch the extended cut. And you know, this is actually um, to be honest, this is actually like one of my one of my favorite, probably my favorite films um, for Tom Savini's makeup work. Oh yeah, well this is where he really shined. He fucking pioneered that shit. Yeah. And I mean, he took aspects of what he viewed that didn't work from Night of the Living Dead and elevated right. and learned and changed things in order to make it look more realistic and feel better from a viewer standpoint. And this is where he just is completely different than every other fucking makeup artist of his time. Right. Was he watched these films purely viewed them as a person watching them, not a person involved, but a person watching them that had nothing to do with it at all and said, this is what I'm going to do to make this different. Right. One of the most prevalent scenes and most remembered scenes from this film is the zombie with the hatchet in the head or the, the axe oh, yeah, in the head. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the most like reverse 
Yeah. Yeah, that actor loves that he was. Oh yeah, yeah but he it's loves fantastic. It. Yeah, it's fantastic, and like even like the effects in that. I mean, if you look back on it now, so a lot of them were kind of cheesy. They're just kind of like oh, whatever. Like yeah, and especially ahead of the its acting. Time, though, yeah. The acting involved with it though is so delayed in some aspects, and you're just like fuck. But. <laughs> The effects are still very good, and he did a very, very good job, and I feel like a lot of it wasn't portrayed as well on film as he intended it to be, but still, that's really where he, like, fucking pioneered that genre and what he was doing, and that was early work of Tom Savini that made him stand apart from every single other makeup artist. Yeah. I will always respect him for that shit. Yeah, this is, like, one of his pride and joys. One of his best works, period. And if it wasn't for Tom Savini's, like, amazing work, and it was if it wasn't for the director, fucking George A. Romero, it wasn't for George Romero letting him in run ass. with it. Like yeah. he was just no, actually, he just let him run with it. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Do it, mm-hmm. do whatever you got to do, whatever you think is right." He gave him so much creative control. He trusted him, yeah, in his vision that fucking much that he didn't question him. I always think of the, like the inner dialogue I have between that when I think about that, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone. Is it like? He just didn't want to deal with it, and he wanted to focus on what he was good at, and he was like, fuck, just do what you need to do. I can see that. You know what I mean? He hired him for a reason. Because it's kind of like they were doing a guerrilla style, but he did say, George Romero did say that Dawn of the Dead, because of its budget and because of all the crew that he had, it was one of the easier films to make. Absolutely. Yeah. He was like- He brought Tom back for a fucking reason. Right. He's like, just- could trust him. Being able to make a a big budget film with a crew was so much easier. budget for this film. And obviously, like, he brought back a lot of the crew- the original crew that he worked with for night for this and because he trusted them and trusted their visions. Yeah. And, and one thing that Tom Savini was mentioning about Dawn of the Dead is he was like, man, he gave me so much control. And then like, he was like, when we were doing these big gore scenes, people would like crowd around and when we did it. Everybody was cheering. He was like, oh, now I got an audience. Like, this is, oh, yeah. this is fucking and amazing. This is where he really set the standard where he made a lot of the actors and crew involved in the filming physically sick with his makeup work and that is something to be extremely fucking proud of in the special effects community and the makeup community is when you make people physically fucking ill by how badass your fucking work is or how realistic your work is like that's something fucking awesome well and even george said you know this movie would not have been what it was without it wouldn't have tom savini it wouldn't have and you know as much as sometimes he irritates the fucking shit out of me right this movie is fantastic. His work on this film is fantastic. Yeah. And every acclaim that George gives to him in this is well fucking deserved. People who are Absolutely. into he, special effects, practical effects, yeah, they look at this film because this is like one of those movies, man. No, I love him. I And I love his work. I respect his fucking work. It, doesn't it feel like this movie belongs in like the later 80s because of all oh, the practical yeah. effects? Absolutely. Like this is the 70s, guys. This yeah, is 1978. This is, like, this is like 88, 89, like maybe even branching on fucking nineteen. It feels like, like there's so much. It's good shit. Yeah, so I'm not, well, I don't know about 80, 89, but I definitely feel Mm, like the the amount of work that they put into this makes it feel like an 80s movie. There's a lot of films that have come out a lot later than this that look shit. It's weird. In the back of my head, I always like think, oh, yeah, this is an 80s movie. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's not. It's a 70s movie. 78. I think he did an amazing job. And it definitely shows. And you know the um, scene where Ken Forey is shooting the kids? Mm -hmm. He walks in, he shoots them on the couch. Did you know that those, kids were tom savini's nephews yeah 
Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is. He I said Ken said he did not enjoy shooting that. No. He said it was have a little ever, too much for him. If you ever met Ken, like you know how <laughs> sweet of a person he is. Right. And any character he's ever played that has this little bit of a mean spirited bone in the body, like that is not Ken for you at all. Right. He's so fucking sweet. And he just, he's so nice and so chill and he just, he hates those fucking roles and, but he will play them. Well, I was going to say, cause he does stuff with Rob Zombie and shit, but <laughs> oh, yeah. And I hate his fucking character. Yeah. He's dirty, man. He's such a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I look at him and I'm like, you love him at first. And then at the end you're like, fuck you, man. Like someone needs to shoot you in the fucking head you piece of shit like <laughs> such a dynamic difference between like previous roles he's played in his career between what he's done with Rob Zombie and you're like man you're so fucking cool and so chill and now you're a fucking asshole <laughs> like I just went and I actually wanted to hey, punch man. Rob Zombie in the face a little bit for making me hate but, Ken Forey but that's that's you know that's what acting but is he did a great job you know like, how when people get really job. you know how people get really upset about actors being too much of a douche bag in a movie oh yeah that means they're acting well exactly <laughs> means they're acting amazing actually exactly. if they're able to piss you off because that was the intent to give you guys kind of a, a couple of little quick tidbits here by the way did you know that they had a real national guard come out for the whole country scene when they were all drinking and shit like that was like legit military guys actually coming out national guard to hang out and did you also know that the Jack Daniels, and you'll appreciate this, the Jack Daniels that they were drinking in the movie is real. Is real. They were literally drinking that shit. Yeah, well, they did that in early films. They said the state to stay warm or something at times. They did that in early films, though. They didn't do the whole, like, fucking Tea. water spittoon take bullshit. Like, the coyote ugly feel of, like, a beer bottle that they spit shit into. Like,. I love that. And another thing about Ken, by the way, you know, Scott and Ken. Scott was the guy who was the short military mm-hmm. guy. Him and Ken got along, like, really well and had a lot of running jokes calling Scott He's the short. One that's stuck in the elevator. No, that's Flyboy. No, it's fly- Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Scott is the short sorry, military guys, guy. Sorry, guys. I take it back. He's the one that dies. Before I get crucified for <laughs> fucking that up. He's the one that's like, let's do the old okie doke. <laughs> Which I'm like, what the fuck is Okie Doke? I know that was like a cartoon Ken's or something. Ken's my favorite goddamn character in the whole film, so I like I feel like I just I didn't give a fuck about anybody else besides <laughs> him and Fran. Like I didn't I didn't care. One thing that we didn't really go over, by the way, that I thought was really interesting is that the very beginning of the movie is so intense. And, like, that's one thing I really like about the movie is it's like, oh, my God, all this shit is unraveling. And then they go into the fucking complex where they're fighting against these people. And all of a sudden, the the issues with what they were fighting for legally becomes less of an issue than what happens with the zombies. There's two reporters in the very beginning, and they're having the talk. They're like, the people they kill, get up and kill. And the people they kill, get up and kill. That whole scene, apparently, like the two actors that played that role did a really good job. And part of the reason was, and George was very happy about this, the two actors actually knew each other and worked together before. So they like hit each other up and called each other and were like, hey, do you want to practice these lines? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So by the time they shot, that was the first fucking take. First fucking take, dude. Like, and it is really good. Like, yeah. George was super excited. Yeah, that's even better. Thanks, buddies. Thanks, buddies. I love it. Thanks, buddies. <laughs> All the zombies that worked in this movie offered to work for nothing, literally. They just showed up yep. by word of mouth 
a lot of the times people would who would be on the set would be like, oh, you, dude, I'm on the fucking set of George Romero's. You remember? Well, they wanted the, to be in a fucking George Romero. Yeah, and they were like, fuck yeah, I want to be a part of that. And, and they I were like, it. fuck it. I so too. they had to like turn people away, but they oh, yeah. were like painting people every day. And it's funny because like everybody always complains about blue face zombies and green face zombies and like gray face zombies. Mm-hmm. It's like supposedly that has everything to do with the light. I don't know if I 100% agree with that. There was different light, but there was different color faces. (laughs) You're going to do what you can in the time that you have without wasting everybody else's fucking time. Well, and it's funny because they show in like the document of the dead. Because I watched like two documentaries for Night of the Living Dead. I watched two documentaries for Dawn of the Dead. And it was like watching Tom like paint people. And some of them, he said that it only took 20 minutes. Yeah, it absolutely depends on what you're doing and how in-depth you're going to make your fucking character. I don't care if it was late 70s. There was a big yeah. fucking learning curve. They don't use blue people... face anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. You know, the, the, another really cool little scene in the movie, you know the car in the mall scene? Yes, yeah, isn't that a DeLorean? Uh, no, it wasn't a DeLorean. Well, it was it actually, like DeLorean. it was like a Volkswagen... And it was well, like it looks like a ripoff DeLorean. It was like Sorry. a really shitty version of Volkswagen. But the, the whole car- time I'm like, it's like Back to the Future, but not. <laughs> but the car that they used in it, they uh, in order to get that car, because a lot of the stuff that they used in the mall, guys, they did this at night. Okay, so they would have to basically get every <laughs> every actor and everything together by seven o'clock at night, and then they would work until the mall opened, and they had to have everything cleaned up and everything every single night because it was an operating mall yep but one of the guys they begged the dealer of that car to borrow it and they they crashed it into a pole and into something i can't remember what it was (laughs) and then they returned it and they said thank you and they didn't say anything about it oh my god like and then and the dealer never even said anything about it either so i thought that was really funny like (laughs) like they just somehow finagled some free car in the movie as we mentioned earlier, Romero and Argento did get to do their own separate music and film edits. Argento went with more of a serious tone, with like Goblin, which he used in uh, Suspiria, the band Goblin, by the way. And it was a bit shorter, while Romero went with more of a silly tone. In fact, there was a scene where they do the pie scene, where they're smashing pies in all the bikers' faces. I fucking love that. I'm sorry. I think it's a good scene, but they didn't intend to use that scene. Literally, Romero made it up on the spot and said, let's put it in here, guys. And they did. And I love that because I feel like that's something that they fucking would have done. Yeah. Like, there's so many, like, little, like small bits and pieces of like the bikers and their characteristics and how they would handle this type of situation that I feel like they portrayed so fucking accurately. Yeah. Like the one that's like sitting in the fucking blood pressure machine or whatever, like in the middle yeah, of the that fucking was ridiculous. mall. And he's just like sitting there for like an hour and a half taking this fucking blood pressure, whatever the fuck he's doing. And it's, and, and the pie scene, like the pie in the face thing. Like I'm like, that's something I would fucking do. Cause I'm a piece of shit. And I would be like, this is funny, like, ha ha ha, here's a pie in your face. He took it and make it a little bit funny mm-hmm. for people and to appeal to more people to watch these movies. Well, George Romero wanted it to be a little more silly because that's just him. That's him, Argento yeah. didn't want it. And the funny thing is, is that this movie came out in Europe long before it came out in, in America because they were having a lot of distribution rights problems. Right. So whether it was more serious on the Argento version or more silly on the fucking Romero version, the U.S. version 
was having a hard time getting out there, and they, they apparently couldn't convince the distributors to buy on to distribute this film in all the theaters. So they kept saying, you know, they needed to clean it up, and oh boy, we're gonna this we're gonna need NC to clean this 17. one up. Yeah, you this cut a lot of scenes. A lot for this of work. A lot of work going yeah. on here, folks. So they did one preview screening to prove that people would love this film, and they did one preview screening with the with the distributors, and people lined up around the block, and absolutely fucking loved it. So fantastic. the dis- yeah, so finally the distributors were like, okay, it's still very guerrilla style making because oh, they sure. had to do so much so with less time. money that they had. And because, less, yeah, absolutely. And the only reason they even got the mall to begin with is that the guy happened to be a fan of fucking horror movies or something. And so he was just like wanted to be a part of a fucking movie. So that's the, the, the owner of the mall. Otherwise, they would have never gotten that location. It would have not been the same movie. Mm-hmm. It would. I don't think it would have hit. It um, wouldn't have worked. I don't think so. It wouldn't have worked. But this is this movie in particular, just just this movie really gave most of the people who worked around with George their careers. Absolutely. This is what started so many people's careers. It's what blew the doors off for fucking Tom Zavini. This was his baby. This, this is, is his, his show baby. reel. This is what he used to go, hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Kickstarted so many careers for so many actors and actresses. From that fucking film, like, and he opened a lot of doors for a lot of fucking people. A lot of people owe him big time fucking thanks. And George loved that. Yeah, he did. He really loved that. People adore him for it, and I guarantee you, Tom Savini adores him for it. It just—I honestly feel yeah, like, which I feel like he was very quiet after his passing, and I felt like it was respectedly so. I feel like it's a—it's a testament to his love of people and giving them a chance that that he wants Scott. Right. Do you know what I mean? That he got an opportunity to shine and he wanted everybody else to surround him who he worked with to shine so that he could be surrounded by fucking people who were just motivated, passionate and loved what they do. Right. That we wanted a lot of people that were like minded. Yeah. As he was. I don't know. That's why I, I, you know, doing a lot of this research and stuff and I knew a lot of this stuff before, but it was an, it was like kind of a nice reminder to know that, you know, just the kind of person that George was. Absolutely. And that he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty and he wasn't afraid to hear somebody else's idea and that it didn't necessarily affect the film. And sometimes most times it would make it better. And, and that formula pretty much did work <laughs> quite a bit on at least, I mean, I still like Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mind Land of the Dead, even though it's not a shadow of what the other films are. These movies got bleaker and bleaker as they went on. Because pretty much everybody dies. Everyone fucking loses everything. But I don't know. I think George is one of those directors. It's just weird like how much trust he gave into everybody else. And it still ended up being good films. These two, at least. Yeah. You know, it's And I'm not saying that every film that he's done is perfect. But name one director that's done a perfect film every fucking time they've done it. None of them. Nobody has. So, what do you think is the better of the two? Like, like now we can get into that breakdown. Like, like which which I would rather watch? If you had to pick one. Of the two, if I had to pick one, which is really, really hard because I love both for completely different reasons. The one that I am far more entertained by is Dawn of the Dead. I agree. Absolutely. I like think... I just, I, it, the, in so many different ways, it's much more entertaining. It's, it's not a like, bigger film. It's a bigger film. And the plot for that film is great. And then there's all these little subplots and like small parts that keep it interesting and keep it going. Whereas Night of the Living Dead has one story. Right. 
It is one story. It's a great like, they, story. Yeah, there's sure, nothing there's wrong like with it. some small little like sort of subplots that come into play in this film. However, Dawn of the Dead is far more interesting. Night it, of the Living Dead is what started you, it all. Absolutely. Dawn of the Dead. Even though Dawn of the Dead, like the total full unedited like version of that film is really fucking long. I don't mind it. I'm it's glad. It's still really fucking good. Like from start to finish, it's still fucking interesting. Like, yeah. And if you watch it and you go, all of this makes sense. All of this yeah. works. All of this is relevant. There's not a part that should be cut from this film. It works. I have the ultimate edition. Works. It's out in the living room, but it comes with the theatrical, the European, the extended cut. And then it comes with all the documentaries and everything. Mm-hmm. I've never watched the European version, but one or two times. Because the way I look at it is, I want to see more. I don't care how long it is. Yeah. It could have been a three-hour fucking movie. And still would have worked. I still would have been fucking happy with yeah, it. it like, still would have worked. Like, I would have wanted more and more and more and more. Because like, that's pretty much the last film that I think... I mean, Day of the Dead's good, but I think... Night and Dawn are the best. They're my favorites. Yeah. As much as and, and as much as I love Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite. There's some too. cool shit in Dawn. There's a lot of cool shit. Yeah. And even though like some of the acting from the zombies is a little shitty, it doesn't matter. It's so much better in so many different aspects of it, from a makeup standpoint to an acting standpoint to just in general, the plot, subplots, like whatever. It's it's more interesting. Well, let me ask you this. It's more fun to watch. When I say social commentary, I don't mean <clears throat> anything in particular. If you notice, there's a theme that goes from night, dawn, day, land. The zombies start to get smarter. What do you think? Do you think that was a good idea? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's right. Yeah. Because in if you look at people in a society as a whole... Just a different group of people? That makes absolute sense. It does, but I mean, because do you think it was going, executed? I think it was... I feel like it was executed well. But I did notice that, and what I liked about it is they don't necessarily get... Like, they don't get faster. They still stay, stay at the same sure. kind of pace that they, that they have from start to finish. But they get smarter. Yeah. And but I feel like that's completely true to form because them as humans in their human form technically before they would have been changed or turned would still kind of hold on to a little bit of what they were as a person before they were turned. Right. And that's right. what I like that is because they don't dumb them down. They take them in the form that they would have been before they were turned and try to hold it as true as possible with still considering some of the deterioration that would have occurred to the brain. Right. And I love that. I, I think well, it's perfect that they do what they did with it. I and think they, the, they did advance them in every film, and it's excellent. Well, I think a, a lot of... Um, they get smarter in problem solving, and that's kind of a little, that's a little scary, but it works. I think what George Romero was really ultimately trying to say, and it's not so much a necessarily a religious thing, but that we all atone for our own sins in some way. And I'm not... It's like, you know, I'm not a huge religious person or anything, but even Romero himself said that no, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Right. He said that that phrase in particular that you need to understand about the mythos is that phrase in particular, that perhaps the only real way out is redemption and maybe believing in God in some sort of way. But even then he said he doesn't even know. He's like, I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mean the talking part. I just mean in no, general. No, I, why I... did it start? Like, why was it a satellite crashing? Was it a biological disaster? I think that the only thing that really makes sense is something bigger than what we are. Exactly. And it's almost like our sins are coming back to attack us. Like, not necessarily religious aspect, but all of our failures are coming back to kill us in a way. So, and that we're all headed in towards a sense, death. Atoning. Yeah, we're atoning for our sins, like of all of our whatever it is that our gluttony, our fucking greed, our, you know, our misunderstandings of one another, segregation, lust, lust all of this stuff. I, get it. Like, I haven't, I didn't view it that way well it made me think that way only because of that thing that he said no it makes sense when there's no more room in hell you know what i mean yeah. it's like that's the biggest when there's no more room for any more fucking sinners <laughs> like we send the sinners back to earth like right. I, I get it like it, it makes sense when you view it from that way but that's that's a, a point a viewpoint of it that i've never taken sure no, too, no, no, no. but that actually that makes sense it's makes interesting sense. to me just to think that way i'm not saying that that makes sense personally for me but it's just interesting to know that that's essentially what he holds on to out of the entire franchise oh i get it it's a cool way to look at it but yeah i think that pretty much wraps it up and um, guys i mean we received this news last week that romero had passed away and after watching these movies and pretty much like i said i watched all the way up to fucking pretty far up it's it's really sad to know that someone that didn't even intend to be as like Iconic, as iconic as yeah, like and how humble he was to his last dying day, and how supportive he was for people to be using their passion and make something beautiful. It's really sad to know that that person is gone now. He was a absolutely beautiful soul from beginning to end. It's a very career, happy and person. He never changed. Yeah, like that's one thing about him. He never changed who he was. He remained true to himself. And who he wanted to be and who he wanted to portray from beginning of his career to the end of his career. Yeah. And he always loved and appreciated his fans and appreciated the people that he worked with. It's really sad to see that go. And I know that the times have changed since he was making Night of the Living Dead, you know, and all the movies that came out after it. But I think I think what really changed is, I don't know, acting and the whole process of it like got completely different. I feel like Maybe some of that spirit, the magic that made these movies so good. And whether you guys agree with me or not, I feel like I feel like a lot of that is gone. I agree. You know? Because it's like now it's like a money machine. You That's know all it is. It's all about dollar signs to everybody nowadays. It's, right. They don't give a flying fuck about the plot or it making sense or doing something different. Like or just doing it because you love it. The majority of the yeah. films that are being made are rehashes of old films yeah. that came out in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or even early two fucking 2000s. And I'm not saying people, people don't work remaking. hard either. No, I'm, and I agree. I'm not either. Like, yeah. I'm not going to discount what people have done or trying to take something and elevate it. I understand that. I get that. But I don't view filmmaking today as I view filmmaking in the past. Right. It's a different beast. These especially are completely for horror. Different beast. Especially in horror films. Like, most of the shit nowadays is a rehash of something old. Well, and that's why And I'm a lot of times they don't even pay tribute right. to what they stole it from. I'm sort of leaning towards independent film. Oh, indep independent more and more and foreign now. horror is the way 
to go. I like seeing big nowadays. budget shit, big you know, budget because shit. I want to see the crazy stuff on the screen. But in the same respect, no. the heart and passion is in a lot of independent films because... I don't feel the same way because I feel like most of the big budget shit is all rehashed bullshit. Well, that's None what I was saying. I, I'm, I'm leaning on independent films. Independent and foreign films are where it is as far as for horror. I'm definitely sad to see George go. I'm going to take a shot right now. Ode to not. him. <laughs> we will miss you. We already miss you. Yeah. You pioneered a fucking genre and made it your own. And yeah. took something and did something original and creative with it that no one's been able to touch. You inspired and gave careers to a lot a of people. A lot of fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you wanted to or not. Anyone that's ever touched anything fucking zombie related, they basically can thank you for it. Yeah, there was, no it like not, there was no zombies like that before. There was no zombies like that before you came to this fucking planet yeah. and touched and created what you did. So, and a lot of special effects artists. Oh, yeah. Oh, a big old fucking thanks to you, especially you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think he does. I don't think he for a second has he remained even, very quiet yeah. since the passing. We thank you guys so much for stopping by this uh, Thursday. We will be back next week. Although Brittany will be out of town, so she won't be doing the episodes with us next week. Sorry, guys. She's got some plans. We've got some Agents of Lust stuff to do in Denver. But to give you guys an idea, um, all August, we're going to try to do 90s movies. So, Woo! My era. Yeah, like 90s. The most of the shit from the 90s sucks. <laughs> yeah, whatever stuck out in the 90s. Not necessarily movies that we enjoy, by the way. No, it's going to be a lot of shit talking. Because in my opinion, 90s is pretty much... It's there's shit. not... There's very very slim pickings. Very slim. I'm not saying that there isn't good movies, but we're going to be doing doing that. Yeah, uh, it's I, I'll apologize ahead of time. It's going to be a lot of us like taking big old fat shits upon shit that you guys probably like. So. Right. Sorry. Well, and then there's also going to be uh, we're going to be doing our anniversary episode yeah. after that. So definitely stick around for that. We got confirmed. We have Mike and Patrick. Going to be returning for our anniversary episode, at least the first part. I might be here, too. So, and then we may do a second part without them, but they're definitely going to do the first part. Or we just shit on them. The <laughs> I'm just kidding, We'll probably guys. be just getting drunk, talking about horror. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, then, talking about funny then, things, talking about how I was an asshole because I'm overpassionate. I'll probably end up over-talking everybody, <laughs> except for you. Like, you and I will talk over each other the whole time. <laughs> So, guys, if you haven't already, please stop by our longlivethevoid.com website to check out everything. We got horse shots. We got all kinds of shit. You can find all our social media there, but definitely give it a visit. And if you guys ever have any suggestions, we're also going to be doing... Send them to us. Yeah, we got. Uh, I got this idea for a segment that I wanted to do where we would do kind of like a listener's choice. And we had a couple of people. Thank you, Natasha. And I forget who Tashi. the other person was. Sorry. Yeah, keep them coming in because we're going to try to do like our part one episode. We're going to try to do like a bunch of different things, a lot of different segments. So like sometimes we'll just have talks about a certain particular subject. Sometimes we'll watch a movie on Shudder maybe and just call it our Shudder or whatever. And sometimes we're going to fucking do grave plots. And then sometimes we're going to do listener's choice. So we're going to kind of mix up Mondays. So it'll always be a little something different and then thursdays will always be our flesh and potatoes that you can come back every week for so we're gonna switch it up a little bit basically is what we're saying 
Yeah. We're going to try to mix it up. it up. Keep it interesting. Yeah. Keeps it interesting for you and us. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't get bored. Yeah. We want to keep it interesting for everybody. So. But for real though, if you guys have some ideas, something that you want to see or something you want us to discuss or something you want us to do, let us know. Unless it's fucking stupid. And then I'm going to be like, that's stupid. <laughs> well, and the idea behind Listener's Choice is really just to get people involved in the show because Quite honestly i'm really interested to see what you guys come up with if you want us to talk about true crime or if you want I us to talk true about crime Sorry. like anything we'll do anything for episode p- one like part one of Someone the episode please give us some true crime shit to talk about because i love true crime <laughs> i love true crime and i'm so into that shit so please well, thank you guys so much for stopping by again. If you haven't already, please do share this episode. If it wasn't for you, because we don't have the reach of iTunes anymore. Yet. So we really just t- t- depend on you guys to help us get the word out. Like, we post everywhere, but if it wasn't for you guys, nobody would know. So thank you for sharing if you have, and if you haven't, please do. Let everybody know. Shout out the rooftops. We love you. Stay weird, monsters. See you guys. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode.